in his books Heaven and Hell and The Doors of Perception, Aldous Huxley describes how the brain's function is not so much to understand information, but it has a major process in restricting information or restricting our way of looking at things. Now fundamentally what he describes is the process that I've talked about many times, which is how the the distinction between the left brain and the right brain and how the right side of the brain has access to that raw information, the information as it were that comes in from the senses. And then in order to make use of that information we put it into patterns in the left side of the brain and it's those patterns that most people are caught up with because most people live in the left side of their brain. When you take psychedelic and hallucinogenic drugs, your consciousness shifts into that right side of the brain and what you're presented with is the raw experience to the extent that there isn't really even a distinction between the senses. You get a process known as synesthesia where you see uh, sounds and uh, you, you taste uh, thoughts and things like this. Everything starts getting mixed up. Now, this is a different way of looking at what I've presented in terms of left and right pain. And another way of looking at it is what hypno- people are trained in hypnotherapy, such as I was, have been called the recticular activation system. Now, it's said that one of the ways that hypnosis works is by part by bypassing the reticular activation system. So you get underneath people's normal interpretations of things. And I remember when I was training and I was practicing, and there was somebody who wanted to, um, you know, we're training on friends and, you know, hypnotizing, and this woman said she wanted to spend more time and be more motivated to do exercise and things like that. So when I'm chatting to her consciously, I say, well, you know, you could go to the gym, you know, this and work this out. And, and then at every juncture, at every point I made, she had an answer as to why that wouldn't be possible. And of course, this is how people think. Now, under hypnosis, I made similar kinds of observations. But because the reticular activation system had been bypassed, in other words, I was talking really to the right side of the brain, the same ideas went in without criticism. Now, this is, of course, both a strength and a weakness. If you talk to most people who are trained in hypnosis, they will tell you quite adamantly that you can't do anything under hypnosis that you wouldn't want to do uh, consciously. Uh, there's some some truth in that and there's some falsehood in that. A good hypnot- hypnotist can get round it. And if you've ever seen um, Darren Brown, uh, he's got some videos on YouTube, you'll see how it is possible to get around those things. And the point is, is that we're hypnotised at every moment of the day and we're what we think are our opinions, which are really arbitrary, opinions are quite arbitrary, are simply ideas that have been put to us from our our upbringing. And of course it's an interesting thing on the media. 
you'll see uh, example uh, I was, came across one the other day you know a, a kid gets trapped in a well or something and it becomes major news and it's followed and so on and whether he gets out or whether he's going to you know, die in the well and, you know, all the efforts to get him out and this kind of thing. Well, of course, these things go on all the time and we're not aware of it, but people can get quite worked up about this and even, you know, we bring out or, or, or want to bring out laws, you know, saying about how wells should be covered up and other such nonsense. The, the media chooses what they want people to get worked up about and we see this very much with the COVID so-called crisis. Uh, they can manipulate people. People are hypnotised. They can be manipulated into getting emotionally attached to certain ideas. One example of this that we see a lot in America, of course, there's uh, problems ostensibly with gun usage. And, uh, of course, there's shoot-ups in schools and things like this and this always hits big news because anything that happens to kids is always big news um, if you actually look at the raw statistics what you see is a very different pattern and before we get on to that it's worth noting that the reason why it is in the US Constitution that people have a right to bear arms is because when the Founding Fathers set up the US Constitution, it was very much about checks and balances. They'd come out from being basically an occupied country, occupied by, by Great Britain. And they were very concerned with a ruling power taking control. So in every aspect of the Constitution are checks and balances. There's uh, the president has a limited amount of power over the over Congress and the Senate, and each has balances and so on. And the ultimate balance was that the people could bear arms, so that if the government was to try and take control, the people could simply resist using arms. This was the idea behind it. They'd seen how excess government control could take place. And of course now, when the government... That is exactly what's happening in the US and in many countries around the world. The governments are taking control, which is why there's such a big pushback against the use of arms. Just as an aside, um, the IRA in Northern Ireland had tremendous... They can only survive. They only survived the, the time they did because of the tremendous financial support from the US. Much of that was driven by Irish immigrants. But it was also driven by this notion of an, a small nation standing up to British colonialisation, which, which of course America had gone through. So there was a kind of empathy with the IRA. It all fell to pieces after September the 11th, when it became apparent that the IRA was basically a terrorist organisation and America couldn't be seen to support terrorism. And that's why the, the Northern Ireland peace talks and all that worked, was simply because the funding dried up. Um, but when we look at the statistics about gun ownership, it's very interesting. In America, it's very interesting. Guns have been around in America since the Founding Fathers. It, there hasn't been a problem with uh, gun deaths in America until relatively recently. And there's many countries in the world that have 
more access to guns than America has, but don't have the problems that America has. And if we look at the statistics, the majority of gun deaths aren't through um, shootouts at schools and things like this. They're through suicides. And when we look at kids at school, you know, the classic Columbine you know, problem, what we're looking at is not a gun problem, it's a mental health problem. America has a mental health problem, which that's what's caused the suicides, that's behind these Columbine-type shootings. And that's why it's been getting worse over the years, over years and years and years. But of course, it's distorted in the press to be a gun problem because if you can stop people owning guns, the, they can't control the government. The government has the ultimate control. This is the biggest threat to them, is that people could rise up and against the government. And this is why all these so-called fringe groups and conspiracy theorists, and what a ridiculous name that is, conspiracy theorists, uh, who object to government control are so much in favour of owning guns. And they're ridiculed, of course, by the by those powers that want to ridicule such things. But if you look at the actual statistics, you'll see that um, it's, that that's what's behind it. It's a mental health issue. The other aspect to owning guns, of course, is um, gang violence, things like this, which is fundamentally black-on-black -black violence. But, of course, that doesn't fit in with the narrative of um, Black Lives Matter and all that kind of thing. So that's very carefully forgotten about. And, of course, those gangs and those people who are going to shoot each other up aren't law-abiding anyway. You know, if you change the laws to prevent them getting hold of guns, well, that doesn't make any difference because those people aren't, uh, aren't going to follow the laws, whatever. So you haven't, you haven't solved the problem. People are, are influenced as soon as it becomes a Sunday, particularly with kids. The media will latch onto it. And people will get emotionally involved, and this is why they're talking about kids and the, you know, the effect of COVID on, of COVID on kids, and why kids have to be vaccinated. Not because it makes any sense; it doesn't. The statistics simply don't support it. It's because we produce an emotional reaction. People have been hypnotized. Now we really see this in the COVID uh, news, where common sense seems to have gone out the window there is and I've talked about this previously this idea of fact checking which is nothing to do with actually analyzing information and, and seeing whether it makes sense but saying oh well if it comes from a certain source it must be valid so people are not trained to actually look at information intelligently they're trained to be hypnotized and this is, I talked about this in the last, in the last talk. A few years ago, uh, there was a, a, a sort of study done and somebody produced a sociological uh, essay, a sociological paper, where basically a computer had just taken a whole load of words and strung them together to form these sociological phrases that you see in these such papers. And it got published. It was completely meaningless. There wasn't one iota of intelligence behind it. And I've heard many, many sociological papers of this type. But our world is being turned 
into this kind of soup of wor- of meaningless words. The words don't have a, a proper meaning. They simply produce an emotional reaction. And when you try and analyze the meaning, it's like holding sand in your fingers. As soon as you open your fingers, it falls through. There's nothing reality there. And so we fed this diet from the media of things, words like fake news, fact-checking, um, conspiracy theories, and so on. And they're designed to elicit emotions. They're not designed that you should actually look at these things as soon as something gets ridiculed as a conspiracy theory the idea is is that you don't go near it's like putting an electric fence around it you don't touch it because well then you might be accused of being a conspiracy theorist and of course the more invested one is in the established view of things the more resistant you're going to be to actually embracing any of these things so doctors or people who are trained in the medical profession who rely on money from the, usually from the state, and this is why it's predominant in Australia and the UK, they won't speak up against any of these things because they're dependent on it for the money. You talk up against the um, the government's view of Medicare of of, of um, COVID in Australia, and your Medicare funds would be withdrawn. You'll be taken off the system. You can't practice. And this is why so doctors become complacent in it or complicit in it. Now, of course, scientists or so-called scientists are all invested in this way of thinking. They love the fact that people now talk about science and the science as if science is somehow like a religion. They've turned science into a religion. The scientists have become the high priest. Now, what a wonderful thing if you're trained in science. They suddenly have people bowing down before you. This has always been the aim of scientists. You know, one of the sneaky things that's gone on behind the scenes and is, and is almost unrecognised, and I've never seen anybody write about it, is that units which used to have some kind of relationship between what they, you know, what the units are, uh, have got renamed to honour scientists. Centigrade, which of course centi is from, you know, 100, because it's a thermometer graduation that's divided in 100, got, convert, got now called Celsius after a person. Um, all these things, there's uh, units of, of pressure, which used to be called, um, I've forgotten what they used to be called, but they're now called Pascals and so on. Um, Lux used to be Lux is from the Latin light, you know, now we've got called, you know, is now named after um, a scientist. All these things got renamed after scientists. Um, and they love it. This is putting science as the, as the new religion and the scientists as the new gods that we were supposed to bow down to. And we do, when we, time we talk about Celsius, you know, Hertz, we used to be called, you know, three uh, cycles per per second, now called Hertz, completely meaningless word, uh, we bow down to those gods, those gods of scientists, and they love it. So when the, the press suddenly come along and say, you know, we should listen to the scientists, not to these, you know, new, new age people, or worse still, the religious people, you know, and they've created this rift, it's completely artificial, between 
um, what they call science, which isn't really science at all, it's this, this religion of science, and the traditional religions of worshipping the creator, um, they move us away from the creation, they move us towards science. And they move towards the devil. Now, in order to understand why that's a move towards the devil, it uh, goes beyond this talk, and I might put the, I might do another talk on this, but it's to do with a process called entropy, which I've talked about in the past. And entropy can be explained, and this is extremely complex, very difficult to understand, but it is on my website, philip.braham.net, and you probably have to wade through it. And really, look, if you want to find out more information, be happy to email me and you know I can answer any questions but it's very difficult to understand but the concept of entropy which is the amount of disorder in the universe is, is actually a misnomer it's not that the universe is becoming disordered it's that we need more intelligence to understand the order which is there because everything is naturally ordered to the to the fullest extent but we have to go to higher and higher levels of thinking, higher and higher dimensions, in order to understand, in order to understand that order. Um, and what's happening with the world is that we're moving towards a process of going against intelligence, going against understanding, and moving effectively to chaos. And chaos is the role of the devil. And um, I'm going to talk about this. I think I'll leave this for the time being because this is a whole other talk. It's a very complex um, system. To understand it, we have to understand the creation and the, uh, the Greek gods and goddesses. They had a very good handle on this and the evolution of the gods and goddesses. Um, and it also relates exactly to the book of, um, uh, of the, the idea of creation that is in, in the Bible, in the book of Genesis. Um, so I'll leave this for the time being, but I will do another talk on that. Thank you for listening. You can leave comments on my Podbeam page. You can email me, phil at braham.net. You can visit my website, podcasts.braham.net. And I hope to hear back from you. Thank you.